episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is Nicole. I met Nicole fresh into rehab because she was the director of our treatment center at the time. Um, now she's doing other things that's still is still health related. We'll get into that. Um, but this is my first time really hearing her story because you know I was fresh in sobriety. She was a director. It's not really a Something that you do is ask somebody their story when, you know, you're just, like, fragile. You're still, like, afraid to talk. Um, but we had a lot of fun talking for this hour, so I hope you enjoy it. see. Yeah, how long has it been? Uh, probably almost exactly a little over three years when I left. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't see you when I came back for my one year. I don't think I did. Where did you come back and take your cake at? Um, Jocelyn. Alumni? No, I, I wasn't there for that. I was planning on it, and then I had a panic attack and left early. Really? Yeah, um, because when I came back, um, I was, like, I stayed at Jace's apartment for a little bit, and then, oh, um, okay. I was, like, I was staying with my buddy Kevin, um, who I met in a program from Jersey, and, um, I was staying with him. And then, like, I was, like, bouncing around, and then I was, like, waiting for Jace to get done work, and I was just, like, sitting in a parking lot in the rental car, and I'm, like, I feel like I'm doing old behaviors of just sitting around all day. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I started freaking out, and I changed my flight, and I left. So, okay. you know, it just had one of those things, like, I, get, I just got to get out of here. I came here, you know, I got my first cake at Jocelyn on Thursday night, and, nice. um, like, Joe Fig gave it to me and stuff. And then I got my AA coins and everything, like, when I was hanging out with Jules, because I'm still friends with, um, like, yeah. Jules Muck. So I saw her and got to do that, and then I left, pretty much. And then I came got back, it. and i never really been to AA since, actually. So, um, so three years ago, that's 2018. That's when I first got sober. Two years ago, I was back. But, yeah, last time I saw you was like August 2018 is when I left Muse and high sobriety and came back home. Got it. So, okay. but yeah, and I still, I'm still clean the entire time. I, Amazing. I, I did drink, um, for a little bit after I came back. Um, Hershey wouldn't give me chips because they said I use cannabis and they wouldn't give me a chip. And I was like, yeah, but I use it like responsibly. I don't even smoke it. Like yeah. I'm using that as a medicine that has been part of my program the entire time. And they're like, yeah, we just don't feel like, you know, you should get it. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then, like, a month later, exactly on my 13-month anniversary, I bought a six-pack of Twisted Tea, and I poured the first two out out of spite, saying, ha-ha, I can pour it out. And then I drank the other four. And then I didn't drink alcoholically. I drank here and there, like, at pool parties or, like, with dinner. You know, we were going to a yeah. show. And then I woke up on um, Leap Day, and I was hungover. And I said, I'm not supposed to be hungover. I'm done with this. So my wife quit with me because she is a real alcoholic, and she quit yeah. with me. And um, we haven't had a drop of alcohol in over 18 months now. And so Amazing. my recovery date, I still say, is 4 18 because I never, you know, I don't. it's part of my story. I talk about it, but I never lost control, and it's my date, you know. And yeah. I didn't come, you know, I, when I got there, I wasn't coming to go to AA. I was coming to learn how to use weed responsibly yeah. and stop doing pills yeah. every day. Right. So, you know, here we are. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on and taking the time. Yes. Um, what is your clean date? My sobriety date is March 1st, 2013. So I just had a little little over eight and a half years, eight and a half last week. 
That's right. I think I saw you post about that. Yeah. It was something like 80 months, or I forget, you posted some some kind of different thing about it. I forget. Yeah, I think it was my 18 months that I had posted on Facebook, you know, then, seven years ago, and then I just shared it. That's what uh, it was. You know, it took took me quite a while to get to get that time. You know, I was in and out for about three years pretty heavily before uh, so I was able to when get did time. You start? I first started going to when did I first start using or when did I start going to treatment? Let's start with using and we'll get up okay. to that. Okay, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to say is when I was talking to a girlfriend about it the other day, and I said, you know, I really didn't start using um, pills until my car accident when I was 21, which also my I had a bad car accident where I broke my arm and it happened to coincide with losing my dad. And I wasn't really equipped emotionally at 20, I guess I was 22, I wasn't equipped emotionally at 22 to deal with losing a parent, nor did I have, um, my brothers and sisters are a lot older, my mom's a lot older. And so, you know, no one really, I don't think, you know, took the time to sort of, not that they didn't want to, but, you know, help me out as a 22 year old kid who's losing their father and, you know, being such a daddy's girl and being the baby. And so, um, those two events coincided. They were weeks within each other, and um, that set me off with pills. And did I drink too much prior to that? Absolutely. But did I think it was, you know, it's is it fun? Is it fun with problems? And then it becomes problems. So I was probably teetering on fun with problems. And the reason why I say that is because I had already acquired two DUIs at 22. And then, you know, my car accident, there was alcohol involved in my car accident. I was drinking, um, but I had an uncle that was, you know, uh, tried to coddle me a little bit and got me a very good attorney. And so when I was charged with my accident, it was with as a dry and reckless. So no alcohol being involved in the accident when clearly I was very drunk on my way home to the Valley from Santa Monica from a bar with my friends, you know, just eating a cheeseburger happy meal, driving in the rain. And, you know, obviously I had one too many. So um, when did my using start? Probably 17, 18, but when did it become a real serious problem? Probably 21, 22, 22. That make, that's, that, that's exactly when mine became a problem. Like alcohol stopped working for me at 22 because at 21 yeah. I went so hard. And then yeah. I was like, just, I was like, I bored with it. And I was like, I need something new every day. And then, like, I tried hallucinogenics a lot. And then, like, I did acid for, like, three weeks straight. And I'm like, all right, I can't do this every day, though. As much as I enjoy it, I can't do it every day to escape because you need an entire day to recuperate. Yeah. So then I, sure. found, then I found pills. Like, and I had done pills before, but there was this one time that, like, it was the all I needed, and I was off to the races. You know, it was like. You know, and I don't think you ever get you never feel that feeling again. Like I remember like, like making this cocktail of like, you know, uh, two Vicodin 750s and a Silma. And for some reason, like that cocktail for me was just like complete and sheer heaven. And, and I could never repeat that. And obviously, you know, as the addiction increases, so does, you know, the pills, the Vicodin 750s stop working, right? And then you got to move on to the Oxys and the Roxys and the, you know, so you, you graduate. Yeah, which 
which I, like everyone else, did too. Yeah, graduate with honors, you know. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, absolutely. And, and I was like that guy, I'm like, I never got to do Quaaludes, this sucks. So you know right. what, I'm going to mix my Xanax with my 30 and then make a line, and then it's like a Quaalude because it's a painkiller, and it's, you know, and right. I'm like, trying to like I'm not in pharmacist like I was my own therapist my own pharmacist yeah. I was my own everything and I was if you ask me I was damn good at it you know I but I, I was good at it too I wasn't obviously <laughs> 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 and when did it like when did how long did it take you to graduate from the Vicodin to Oxy's so I maintained on Norco's for about probably six, seven years, right? You know, I had to get up, get out of bed, take three Norcos in the morning just to get in the shower. And then I would repeat that throughout the day. And at that point, I was still like able to hold down a job as long as I didn't run out of pills, you know? Um, and I don't think I really graduated. I, you know, I moved to New York and then I moved back in 2010, back to LA and I, uh, life wasn't so good anymore. You know, I had gone through a hard breakup and I started mixing, you know, I started getting into oxys. I had friends that were starting to write prescriptions and I didn't have to go to bullshit doctors anymore, even though I found plenty of those. And then I, you know, started mixing in meth and started mixing in other illegal behaviors. And uh, from then on, it was, you know, oxys, you know, for probably three years until I started snorting heroin. So I always ask, how long did it take before you knew you, like you said to yourself, oh, I'm an addict. Like, you know, did you ever have like that realization or did it take you being into, cause like I knew a month in that no, I was an addict. I knew, I knew for a long time. I knew um, it back in New York, probably 2004, 2005 when I would try to kick. You know, I had a significant other who was very against drugs. His parents were drug addicts and he hated them. And um, I would try to not take them and I would be sick, you know. And the minute you know that you're physically addicted to something, I think you know you're an addict. But I didn't really knew, I didn't know anybody in recovery though. Like I had, I knew like a few people that had gone to rehab and I just thought that was so crazy. And then I knew you know, maybe like one or two people that were in recovery, but I had no concept of what recovery looked like. So I had no idea, you know, yeah. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't have an option. I didn't see a way out. I didn't even know there was peer counselors, you know what I mean? Like little yeah. things like that. Like, you you know, it's so funny. All the things I know now, it's like, man, I kind of wish I would have been able to talk to a peer counselor, like just somebody like me where I could have relate, like you and I got along so well because you were also, you know, in recovery. So like you yeah. could understand what was going through some of our minds early on, you know, for right. those who don't know that are watching or listening to us, like Nicole and I met from when I went to rehab, were you the director at the time? I forget what your title yes. like. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was just about every. Yeah. You were everything. You I mean, possible, you were a driver. Yeah. <laughs> you were even a driver. Like I remember the first time we ever like spent time together when I was in rehab was on a Sunday and you were covering for like everybody and then you needed a meeting as bad as I did and you took me to the Pacific Palisades. Yes. And, and I yeah. think it, I forget if anybody else went with us. It might've been uh, my roommate Jacob 
and it might have been us three that went and we went to like that meeting at the palisades yeah and like i remember that was a huge meeting like i ended up going to a bunch of times with you i believe but yeah, it was exactly. like that first sunday it was like a rainy day and everyone was like staying in and all that shit and you're like oh well i'm going to a meeting if you want to go i'm like hell yeah because like i was all yeah. into meetings as you know like i wanted yeah. to go to as many as possible um you guys actually gave me special permission which i'll never you know be able to repay you for to break curfew every night in high sobriety to go to late night in marina nice like that meeting saved my life i i met some of the most amazing speakers you know that like got got through to me while right. they were speaking at late night and met some amazing people in sobriety that I never would have seen at any other meeting but late night, like Marshall, like old people that only go to yeah. those meetings. Yeah. And, you know, it's only because you guys were allowing me to go to those meetings that I could go and meet these amazing people. And actually, I'm sure I, I, I earned it. You know, I'm sure that. For like, sure. I, <laughs> yeah. You know. you, yeah. I mean, listen, not everybody that walks through those doors yeah. wants wants recovery right so you can tell and we can tell because we're in recovery ourselves yeah. so we you know i have the ability to distinguish who's there for court or who's there to appease their family or who actually you know wants wants recovery and, and so not we, needs when it. you see yeah it's because there's a big difference oh i talk about it all. i didn't realize the difference <laughs> um until you know I was very close with a girl in rehab. We went to high sobriety together and then she kept relapsing and actually we're friends still right now. And she lives like 15 minutes from me with her boyfriend, um, Taylor. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. She was in Virginia, you know, and I was in yeah. Pennsylvania. We both went to rehab there. Well, it turns out now she lives 15 minutes from me in the mountains in PA. And she came to one of my meetings a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic. Um, she's got a year sober now. So oh, that's amazing. Yeah, but I remember the first time she relapsed, and we're sitting out back, and she's about to, get, about to go back to Muse again to go back to rehab. She goes, I don't understand. I need to do this. I need, and I can't get it. And I need to, and you're just doing it. I'm like, well, yeah, you keep saying you need to. Like, why? Like, I want to be here. Like, it's working right. for me because I want this. That's why I go to three meetings a day. It's because I want to. Nobody's right. making me. You know, one's right. required, and I'm doing three. Like, I did 250 in 90. Yeah. Like, wow. you know, like I wanted sobriety. I wanted these messages. That's I obviously I still do. I'm doing this podcast. You're, you're the third right. interview I've done today. Wow. And I have another one when we're hanging up. So, you know, and actually the other guy was in biker gangs for 38 years in Orange County. That's crazy. Yeah. So and I'm about to interview his sponsor who robbed 14 banks with a handbrush. So <laughs> sorry, my story isn't that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, your story is your story, and that's the whole yeah. point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I care so much about getting these stories out that I don't mind doing this. Like, it's so important to me to get 30 out in 30 days during recovery month because right. there's so many people, even that I'm you know old friends with, that I don't talk to me anymore. I know they see my Facebook posts. You know, I know they see that. And I want them to eventually call and be like, hey, how do I get out of this? Right. You know, because we can't help everybody, but all we can do is continue to show people how we live so that they yeah. want what we have. So it is important. Attraction. Attraction rather than promotion, right? Exactly. Now, speaking of that, what was your first introduction to, like, any kind of program? I, you were more of an N.A. girl, if I'm not mistaken. No, actually. You were A.A.? Okay. Yeah. Um, my... 
I was very, I was uh, bad, very, I was probably like 90 pounds and very, very skinny and just running with a bunch of people I shouldn't. And uh, I don't think I started to get into legal trouble, just maybe started to get into some legal trouble. And my sister came out um, for my mom's 70th birthday to LA and my whole family went to dinner. And my sister took one look at me and said, you know, what the, what the fuck's going on here? And took my family aside and said, listen, we need to, we need to help her. We need to put her in rehab. And so my mom's 70th birthday wound up becoming uh, my intervention. And I agreed to go to detox. And I agreed to go to treatment after. And my mom, uh, the one and only time that my mom uh, gave me some funds for treatment, uh, she gave a donation to Beit Shuba so I could go to Beit Shuba after detox at Tarzana because I wasn't didn't have any insurance back then. And uh, I went to detox. I stayed there, left early, came home, told my mom I could finish my detox on my own as long as I had some Suboxone. Um, and I went to Beit Shuva for about a week and left, you know, with some guy that I met in Tarzana, you know, and uh, that was 2010. And so I continued to do that for three years. And of course, you know, at, each time I went into detox, which was about five, six times, and each time I, I, I went to rehab, I just kept coming out, meeting worse people, doing worse things. Uh, did six months in, no, did 90 days in jail on a six month sentence for, uh, in, uh, for counterfeiting money. And you can't do that Ventura anymore. County. No, <laughs> they, they frown upon that. The secret service doesn't like that. They came bitch. to my mom's house enough times to tell me that. So got in trouble in LA, got in trouble in Arizona, got in trouble in San Diego, got in trouble in Ventura. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, cleaning up the wreckage was really tough. And then um, I went to a court date in Arizona or I, I went to go be seen because they said I was violating my probation, which of course I was because I had gotten in trouble in another county. <clears throat> and the DA or the public defender said to me, listen, I, I'm going to take you upstairs. You'll be heard, but they're most likely going to um, put you in for 60 days just for violation. And I said, you know, I don't know that I'm going to meet you upstairs. And she was like, okay, well, I hope to see you up there. or Maybe I will. And then I got on a bus and came back to LA and I, it was like the middle of the night and I met this lady and at, in the bus station and I had had some like weird boy, abusive boyfriend who would beat me up. And so I had broken ribs and I'm like sort of a black eye and, uh, she told me, you know, that I didn't have to live like that anymore. And she had 12 years sober and she stayed with me all night until, you know, I could get on until it was light and I can get on a bus and go back to the Valley. And at that point I called my mom and I said, I was really serious about getting sober. And she said, okay, if that's the case, then you call Claire, you see if they have a bed for you, you can stay at my house one night. Um, you can wash your clothes and then I'm going to drop you off there. And I did just that. And I was, thank God, serious. And I don't know if I was serious. 
when I got there, but <laughs> I don't know if I was serious or not, but I, you know, whatever happened in Claire in that six months, you know, the relationships that I made and getting my family back, like made me who I am today and so grateful, you know? So is the pause on your wrist, is that for all your years in addiction or was there yeah. any time? Yeah, me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I had my, well, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts too, and at the end of my addiction, and you know, ideations, you know, but yeah. I never acted on any of them because my dog, I never wanted to yeah. leave my dog. Seriously, that's my dog saved me from going into a tree about ten times, and whenever it was raining, I consider, all right, I'm gonna go for cigarettes, and on the way back, I was gonna take my car into a tree, and um, each time, I always thought, oh shit, no one's home, the dog's home, how long until they find her? She won't go to the bathroom in the house. And that dog kept me from doing it each time. Wow. So, you know, and I got mine, you know, I think, yeah, when I was in L.A., I got mine. And now I have one right here, too. Yeah, so. uh, my, you know, I made, I made, you know, Andre, you know, Andrea. Mm -hmm. And I think you, I think you remember Megan. She used to be at yeah. the IOP, the yep. blonde. Um, so those are, you know, I have four best friends and those are two of them and there's another two girls that and we all got sober in treatment together and we all stayed sober andrea is the one i was thinking of the na she went to na she yes, was in yes. na okay that's yes and because she, she gave out the chips um yes. at jocelyn on thursdays correct so that was probably the last time i saw her as my you know when i went there for one year and yeah, yeah so because it was so important for me to go to that meeting you know even though like it was the only na meeting i went to the rest were all AA. I loved like the atmosphere of Jocelyn. Yeah, I got sober in that meeting. That you know, or got recovery in that meeting. To be respectful of their language, um, clean, clean. Clean. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that was that was a big meeting for me, my first year. But um, going back to this, Andrea doesn't have tattoos, but the rest of us all went and got our, got the matching tattoos. So we all have them in the same on the same wrist. That's awesome. All, all my girls from treatment. So, is that your is that your right wrist? Or your, I can't it, tell. It's my it's left. Left. Okay, because mine's on my right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome though. And for those who don't know, whenever you see someone with a semicolon tattoo, that means like our story didn't stop. Our story could have ended, right. and it did not. It continued on. So I think it's always an awesome like thing. Whenever I see it out in the wild, whenever I see somebody have one, I'm like, oh, cool. We can be friends. Like, I know yeah. something about you, and you know something <laughs> about me, and, like, we have that connection. So I always yeah. find that one to be really cool. Now, so when you made those connections, and Claire, with them, what, were you guys just going to meetings together and just, like, doing it together, and it was, like, that camaraderie that, like, yep. kept you in? Yep, it was, uh, well, I mean, there's really nothing you can do in Claire, and you're there for so long, you're there for six months. So you, like, go to groups, and then when you're done, you go to meetings, and... Um, we all lived together. Like we were roommates and, and we, you know, some of us shared a room and it was just, you know, those, those first six months, those tough months where you're just battling all these demons. I mean, I think like I have childhood friends and I have childhood friends who are, um, in recovery and I have childhood friends who are completely normal. And I have some that are like, was just as crazy as an addict as I am and then can now go have a glass of wine on you know a few nights a week and not you know start smoking meth or doing heroin again <laughs> I don't understand them that's good for them you know yeah. my, my best friend from kindergarten is that type of lady 
I don't know how she's like that, but more power to her. But um, those relationships that you make, I feel like when you're the most vulnerable and you're at your worst and you're, you know, sitting there, I'm in a treatment center, I have nothing, my family won't talk to me. You know, I think that those relationships are like irreplaceable. Like, I'm so grateful that eight and a half years later that those girls are still my best friends, you know? Yeah, so. because, yeah. I mean, because when you go there with an open mind and you actually open up to people and then you find not even like counselors, not even like sponsors, not e- just right. to the other people that you're in treatment with, then all of a sudden you can start realizing that like, oh, I'm not really alone in this and I'm not the only one who did shitty things to end up here. And then right. you can start feeling a lot better about yourself because like by the time we go into treatment, we kind of hate ourselves, you know? so i mean i sat there for two weeks like so mad with my arms folded and i wouldn't talk and it wasn't upset with anybody else but myself because i knew i knew you know what it was like to be on the other side a little bit you know i'd never give i'd given recovery a little bit of a chance you know i mean i think i had like six months and 28 days was like my longest stint but i knew that my life got better and here i was again in these chairs again you know, with nothing again, with, you know, not one sister or brother talking to me and not, you know, nobody supporting me and no real friends to real lean on. And my friends that, you know, I have uh, friends that I used to use with that we all have around the same sobriety date. And, you know, at first they weren't, didn't know if they wanted to be around me because was it going to stick this time? And, or was I going to jeopardize their recovery? You know, so I have a girlfriend who, I've been best friends with since seventh grade and she has about five more months than I do. She's in, she's turning nine on October 10th and she wouldn't talk to me for the first month I was in treatment and not, she was just trying to protect herself, Yeah. you know, and I totally understood that. And to be honest, it took her mom probably almost a year to be like, okay, these two can be together again and not be worried that her, that her kid was going to relapse again, you know? So did you grow up in California? I did. Okay. Yeah, I, I was born in New York, grew up in California, back to New York, back to California, with some other cities sprinkled in there as well. Okay, yeah, I knew that New York was part of your story, and I'm... Yeah. I think, yeah, okay, because you're a Yankee, yeah, you had like a Yankees something I on am. your car. Yeah. So I'm like a I, fan. Yeah, so like that's why I remember that like New York was part of your story at some point, so... I, you know, yeah. I and who am I to ask, like, you know, the director of the treatment <laughs> center more information on you <laughs> as I'm, like, you know, sweating it out for 30 days, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. because, like, I was broken as anybody else is when they go in yeah. there, you know, and I just didn't know what, I was lost, like, a deer in headlights because, like, that was my first time in treatment. Oh. And, you know, so far only, luckily. And, but it's only because, like, well, I was excited to just get out and, like, I think I joined the first group right away. Like I got off the plane, I checked in and I was smoking a cigarette and they were doing a group outside. And I was like, I'm just going to sit in. And then like, I never missed a group because yeah. <laughs> it got me out of my head to right. just like sit there and talk and like, Oh cool. That sounds really like me. And like, Oh, his story is like, like mine too. Yeah. He used to drive far to get high. Like I was doing, okay, we can be friends. And then there was people I met that I didn't like, and I wanted to make them cry mm-hmm. or make them crazy. And, you know, that just angst new in sobriety, I think, because, like, right. you don't know who you are anymore, and you're just, like, being broken down every day. <laughs> when did um when did you really get into the program, though, and, like, get into I the work? 
So I started to work almost immediately. I would say probably like maybe two weeks into Claire, I had a friend say, um, a friend that was in there with me who had been there with me before said, you know, I, I know this really great woman. We're very close friends. Um, so I would never ask her to sponsor me, but I think she would be really great for you. And so I said, okay, well, I'll call her. And um, I called my first sponsor, Tanya, and she came and she picked me up. She picked me up every Sunday night. She read the book to me uh, word for word. We discussed everything. We, you know, when it, when the book had a call to action, we started the fourth step. Um, it's, I sat in my fourth step for a little bit because she was like eight months pregnant and then she gave birth and then I couldn't see her for a few weeks because <laughs> the baby was so tiny. So I yeah. sat in that, in that fourth step for quite some time. Yeah. Like it was done, but I was just like ready to read. I was ready to get through five, you know, like I was so anxious. Um, and I was with her for about two years. And then, um, and then I got another sponsor who's my wonderful Rachel. Um, but she, and then she moved away and then now Sue is actually my sponsor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, Sue. Do I? She was, a, she used to do a lot of groups at Muse. Sue Dinner. Maybe it was after me. I can't remember. But then again, remember, I was early in sobriety. So, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. people that were coming through, like, I remember Katie. You know what I mean? Like, and I still talk to Katie here and there. Like, Katie. Never... Yep. Oh, Katie. No, Katie. Katie, therapist. Katie, my therapist. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Allison, you know, and, you know, I remember Andrew, because Andrew was like me, where he was in recovery. And, you know, he, yeah. but I, I would talk to, I had three different therapists at one point, really. Like, I, I talked to Andrew about the exact same things I would talk to Katie and Allison about just to hear his perspective from an addict's point of view, basically like a peer counselor. And I just had no yeah. idea that was even a thing. And now like, I want to actually do that and become one because I'm basically doing that now without any kind of titles because I'm talking to people all day long in meetings about things that only I can relate to. And it's basically they're like, you know, you should just get a certification in that, right? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was even a thing until like yeah. last week, <laughs> you know? So it's just so funny the things that you learn as you keep going it. You're never done learning. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, Katie and Allison are still, I'm still very, very good friends with both of them. What brought you into working in rehabs? Um, honestly, I fell into it. So I moved, I left Claire after six months. I moved into sober living after about three months of living there. The owner had said to me, you know, the woman who's the house manager isn't working out. Do you want to take over? It's free rent. And so I said, okay, because I was struggling, you know, I was working two jobs, still struggling to, you know, pay my own bills or so sober living and, and like the probation fees yeah. that I owed. And, um, I took the house manager job and then I had a girlfriend who said, you know, uh, I'm an assistant manager at another sober living. Um, they're hiring. Do you, you want to send in your resume? And I sent in my resume and to Muse, which was called a new start at the time. And it was just structured sober livings and IOP. And I think I started working there as a tech when I had 18 months. That's awesome. And then when you're working yeah. in it, does that like, 
did that help keep you like keep your mind straight the entire time just like seeing people walk in every day still in it i'll tell you what happened i'll tell you how i knew i was uh i was in for it like how i was gonna stay jack you know jack obviously jack and i were jack had just started as a tech i don't know even if i was a tech supervisor yet or if i was still the tech i we both might have been techs at the time we had a girl come in she was a returning client in and out all the time and she i had to search her and we knew she was using and i had to search her and i did a i made her take her shirt and like pull her bra away from her shirt and like shake it out and like 60 norcos flew out and instead of trying to hide two or three jack and i went to the bathroom and i threw them and we flushed them and that's how i knew like so it's probably about two years and i knew oh like i'm really gonna stay sober and you know when i originally had started at a new starter muse uh i had wanted to be a substance abuse counselor like I went to school for it and everything. Like mm-hmm. I did the nine month school and then I went on and got an AA in it. And I, you know, got all ready to take the test and something happened. And I just was like, you know what? I think I'm better on the business side. Even though on the business side, you still have so much client interaction. But um, for me, that was a position that labeled, enabled me to be more of like, not a specific counselor you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this but somebody who was able to sit with clients and listen and engage and maybe give some advice and hope someone listens you know or maybe Uh, not i listen try to do that definitely you know there are people that listen you know i'm grateful because i have you know clients that message me or old clients um i don't work in treatment anymore but i have old clients that you know message me i have six years now you know, I've, I'm coming up on seven years now, you know, I have five years, I put, you know, so I, you know, it just makes my heart, like, I feel like, oh, maybe I had an impact, you know, yeah, so yeah. That, that's really the hope that you have. You definitely did. I mean, and I, and I think it's hard to see that until like, we get a message, you know what I mean? Like somebody reaches out and says something like, hey, you're helping me and you don't even right. know it. You know, and it's even with like doing this, like I, I put these out and it's not like I'm getting thousands of views or thousands right. of listens, but I'm getting messages from people. They're like, hey, right. man, like I keep doing this. I love this. And like that keeps me going to know that, like, even if I'm helping one person to like even stay sober, just listening to these, you know, like that's important to me, you know, because it doesn't like somebody once did that for me. Right. Somebody exactly. took the time to help me. And whether they knew it or not, whether, you know, they were obviously they were intentionally trying to help me, you know, it's still it comes a long way, especially early in sobriety. You know, that's like you said, there's first six months like that's an important time early in sobriety, you know, because that's where you're learning who you are again and learning that, like, drugs weren't my problem. I was the problem and drugs were the solution to my problems. You know. Right, and I think that the work can, the work has to continue, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't, you know, finish twelve steps, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm like this new human, you know. I had to do the work a few times, you That'd know. Be cool. I, I, right, exactly, <laughs> right. So, you know, it wasn't till probably like my second or third 
you know, four steps, like specifically on relationships that I feel like I was healed, you know, and able to find a healthy relationship. I mean, I, I'm going to be 45 years old next month, right? For the first time in my life, I feel like I have a pretty healthy romantic relationship. And that's, you know, I'm old for that. I think most people have <laughs> earlier on in life, but you know, it wasn't till I, you know, was able to see my partners and stuff and do a lot of work and, and come to terms with how to be a better, you know, partner that I was able to, to find someone who understands. Yeah. That, and that's why the 12 steps are important that people don't realize that they can be utilized for anything, not just alcohol anything. and not just like anything. And people, you know, they get so caught up is admitting it's the first step. Like, well, it, it kind of is, but like, that to me, it's what's after the, you know, the unmanageability is the most yeah. important part of the first step to me. It's not like, yeah, I have a problem. I knew I had a problem a month in, you know, I was an addict for 10 years and I knew a month in, I was like, oh, I'm addicted to these, you know? Right. So yeah, I have a problem, but like the unmanageability part is where it comes in. You know, there's people that are in, they're normies, you know, that where they don't, you know, they don't drink out of control. You know what a norm, everyone knows what a normie is by now right. they've been the program they could be benefited from the 12 steps because if your life is unmanageable from anything, then that's an important thing that you can go through and feel a lot better about it and be relieved of that. And people don't realize that. Well, I think it, I think it's important to know that time doesn't equal recovery. Like you could have 25 years of abstinence, but it doesn't mean you're in recovery, right? So recovery is doing work. And, you know, I see a lot of people with a lot of time, that their lives are unmanageable, you know? They're miserable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen a lot of miserable people with that. You know, and there's people that come in here that they're like, I'm nine months sober and I don't know why that like I'm I hate my life more now than I did when I was drinking. I'm like definitely well, how many meetings have you gone to? Well this is my first one. Like, well that's let's start from here. Keep com you know, we'll keep yeah. talking and then come tomorrow night and then come again. You're gonna and then you don't see him again for another couple of weeks. And then, then they come back. They're like, I'm just so miserable. I'm like, well, you've been <laughs> home not drinking, not talking to anybody for two weeks. So, like, yeah, you're going to be lost in your head and miserable. you got to speak that out and talk that out. Like, yeah. you come to these. That's why we have four meetings a day. There's plenty of opportunity that you can come in here and talk to one of us, you know, because, like, even just the meditation, come in and sit down and talk to somebody else for a little bit. Just yeah. get out of your own head and get out of the house, you know. Yeah because until you start doing the work it's not and i say these things but you know you can't make people come in here no no and I, i'm not going aren't. to i'm not going right. to track you down and say there's there's people that i will track down and they're like the people that say like hey will you take me through the steps you know like sponsees you know yeah. and i'm like yeah i can do that so when i don't see them i'm like hey how's it going but people that are just regular meeting goers i can't track all you, you all down and ask where you're at you got to want right. to be here. You got to want to come in and That's I'm not going to beg it, you know, and we don't, we won't sign court cards because I don't want you here if you need to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know? no, that's great. Um, yeah. We got offered to, and they're like, Hey, do you want to be on the list for the drug court? And we thought about it. And then we watched the documentary 13 step. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. Like I know that cause like, especially around, we live in rural, PA, you know, in the middle of nowhere, so they don't have a lot of options for a lot of criminals. So they'll send them to AA even when they're not alcoholics, just so they can keep track of them for 90 days. Oh wow! 
Yeah, they'll, yeah, exactly. So a lot of people get, you know, mandatory AA that aren't even alcoholics. So just to be on the safe side, I was just like, no, you know, if they want to come to a meeting, they know where to find us. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't have, I don't need you to be here. I want you to be here or else yeah. you're going to sit in a corner at, staring at your phone the entire time yeah. and just distracting me. You know, I, I don't care if you're not getting anything out of it, but you're distracting me because I see you on your phone the entire time. Like, yeah. take that elsewhere. Um, how often do you go to meetings now that you got eight and a half years? So I wish I could tell you that I went to more meetings. I wish I could tell you that I've returned to in-person meetings. I haven't yet during the, the well, pandemic. I, mean, yeah. um, I am in a, so, you know, I'm back and forth between Los Angeles and Texas for a little bit. And so um, when my boyfriend and I were talking about moving here, we're like, how are we going to meet people? And they were like, oh, we've just got to start going to meetings, you know? So we haven't gone back to an in-person meeting on this trip, but I try to go, you know, once every few weeks. I wish I could tell you I went more. I, I just don't. Yeah, well, that happened. I mean, during COVID, too. I mean, you know, but you're still talking to all your best friends that are in a program, which I, is... I still talk to my sponsor. I still talk to my girlfriend. Um, yeah, we talk. I talk to at least two of them every day. Yeah, and that's basically a meeting, as we know. Yeah, I mean, this yeah, is a yeah, meeting. yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is a meeting. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, but I've just been, since the pandemic really hit, I've just been really doing everything on Zoom. I, I haven't attended. How is the Zoom meetings compared to, like, in person? Because I never attended a Zoom AA meeting before. You know, I, it's not the same. Yeah. It's good. So there's good parts about it, right? So you can be in your house, you can be in your couch. But also, if I'm sitting on my couch on a Zoom meeting, it's very easy to flip on the TV and just zone out, right? And to, like, not pay attention. So there's good parts about it. Like, I don't have to drive if I want to go to, like, a certain meeting to meet friends. Um, but it's not the same, you know, camaraderie that you have, you know, when you see everybody and, you know, everybody's, like, faces kind of make you light up and so so that part's different um, I feel like there's positives and negatives to it I I haven't been I haven't had the experience where and I've seen a lot of people have it like where they go in the zoom meetings and there's zoom bombers you know it's only happened like once or twice I've seen in a meeting so um I think it's convenient but is it the same probably not you know yeah there's something about like when you walk in and you smell coffee being brewing and, you know, the, everyone's outside having a cigarette that smokes and you kind of have yeah. like a free meeting meeting outside. And then you have the meeting, then you think that you could actually walk up and look the speaker in the eyes and say, thank you. Yeah. And then, exactly. and then you have the after meeting outside where you're smoking a couple right. of, like, I'm, you're not a smoker. Uh, or did, vape. You vape. Okay. But yeah, so yeah. you, yeah, but you get it then. So like that, yeah. that kind of camaraderie that you can't get on Zoom where like, even little things of like, if it's a boring meeting, like I've gone to some boring meetings and, you know, in my right. time. And the fun part about that, you know, is when like, I would find a friend across the room, you know, and send them a funny message to see if I can make them laugh. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. little things like that, that, you know, I, I just. Yeah, I the would, camaraderie. Yeah. The camaraderie is definitely missed. It was like definitely the fun missed. parts of going to school. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know? okay. like, I like going to school to see my friends and have fun in school and talk yeah. and you know have stories so it when you do that on a computer i feel like that a lot of that is lost you know with good reason yeah definitely 
definitely. I mean, you can message separately, you know, in a Zoom or like Andrea and I sometimes will be at the Jocelyn Park Zooms and we'll, mm-hmm. you know, be messaging each other privately. But um, it's not the same to take a cake on Zoom. You know, I took one cake. I, you know, I've taken one cake this year and I took, I think, two last year on Zoom. But yeah. Or wait. No, 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 no. Uh, I took. 2021 yeah 20 no 2021 was my only cake I took on zoom the year before that we shut down right after my first cake we shut down like March 6th or something and I took a cake March 1st on my actual birthday so at Pacific Palisades so um it's weird to take a cake on zoom it's not the same you know it's not the fun of like being up there with your friends and everyone's hugging and I don't think anybody's going to be blowing on cakes anytime soon but you know like still being there yeah, and even and even when it's not even a full cake, just the like, you know, like at Marina at late night, we would hold a candle, or even like we were broke, yeah. and nobody, you know, we'd hold a lighter up, and you blew out the, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that was a wick. Being there, you know. Yeah, and they don't do birthdays everywhere either. Like spoiler, like for the rest of the country, that like really? they, they don't call them birthdays in Pennsylvania. It's just like, oh, it's your anniversary. Here's your That's here's your so crazy. Here's your coin. And congrats. That's so crazy. And then you walk I up, wanna... and, and you walk up, and they're like, "How'd you do it?" And that's it. You, you're not like, yeah, it's so boring. They don't read chap. They don't read how it works, and it always upset me because I love how <laughs> it works. Like how it yeah. works. Like I used to love reading it. I knew it word by word. And then I get to Pennsylvania. I'm like, oh, we read a portion of chapter five. They're like, what? No, we did it. Our father. I'm like, ha. Ah. that's what you get that's what you get in rural pennsylvania and then i start talking they're like could you say alcohol and not pills i'm like uh (laughs) where am i where am i but i found that you know i found a lot of people that related to me you know and that's the whole point is for people that you know you have to find ways to relate and if you find ways to relate out you're gonna you're gonna have a bad time you're going to be miserable yeah. if you're not trying to relate to somebody and whoever it is. Cause you could, you know, I've talked to bikers that I couldn't be any more different from, you know, whether it's our views on politics to like how we think and what we did, but you can still find ways to relate to people if you want to. A hundred percent. And that, that's something I think you see, you probably saw in the beginning of treatment is like, you know, there'd be somebody who would come in and be like, maybe like an older person and say, I don't relate to these tits, you know, well, you're not, you know, that's why you have to look for the similarities and not the differences. Right. So you look for the feelings and not the action. Yeah. And so would, how do I say this? Um, are there any regrets about not sticking with it in 2010 and then going back in 2013 or did you need those three years? Huh. Um, I've seen, I think, I don't, I wouldn't say that there's regrets. I feel like that there's, you know, a few of those times where I see people who I, you know, went through that treatment stint with in 2010 or, you know, or maybe 2011, whichever one, whichever one it was prior and they'll take, you know, they'll have 10 years. And so, you know, be like, oh, man, I should have 10 years. I should have 11 years, you know, or whatever the timing is now. Um, and I think that sometimes will sting a little bit. But I think that I got it exactly when I was supposed to, right? So the universe made that possible that I walked into, you know, 
into treatment at that time when those women were there, you know, and, and the bond that I created, I think is like, I think I was meant to be there and meant to find those friendships because those, you know, those friendships have led to, to being probably my strongest support system other than, you know, my boyfriend and my family. Yeah. That's what I was gonna like, kind of guess is like, you know, because it's a lot, it's, it is easy to get jealous to be, or not jealous, but envious, you know, envious. is probably the better word. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, man, I could have 10 years right now. Yeah. But, like, I feel like whenever, like, because I had so many relapses from trying to quit on my own over the years, like, when we met, it was our first time in actual treatment and trying to actually right. do it, you know, but I've been to meetings on my own and tried the meetings and, like, it didn't work because I relayed it out right away and walked out because like that's not me that guy has yeah. a different color hat to me so we can't be the same <clears throat> so like and, you know and i walk out and you know i'm like well i tried you know and i actually i still credit um um who was it uh Jeff, no who answered the phone for me i called you guys at eight thank you i called you guys at eight o'clock on a saturday night my time so 5 p.m on a saturday and it was only because I, I don't know if you even know any of this, but I saw High Sobriety on Legend of 420 documentary on 420. Yeah. And so, like, the next day I was, like, in a McDonald's parking lot for, like, hours waiting to meet my dude. And then I end up getting beat, and I'm having, like, to buy him from somebody else who cost me more. I'm driving back with one. I did two right away, and I'm driving back with one. I'm, like, hating myself. I'm, like, fuck it. I'll Google the number. And 8 o'clock, he answered. And he talked to me for like two hours. And I can really, really, really assuredly say if he didn't answer the phone, I wouldn't have called back again. Yeah. You know, because you know how it is. Like, well, I tried. I called and he they didn't answer. Yeah. And, you know, I hope he's That's doing good. Universe. I haven't I haven't seen him or heard from him in a while. But, you know, all that matters is he answered that night. And I definitely don't think I would even be sitting here or definitely have the same kind of sobriety that I got it wasn't for that first phone call that I had with him. Absolutely. Um, you know, Universe. And, yeah. And then I got out there three days later on the 25th or whatever it was, four days later. And luckily I found people like yourself that I could relate to like, oh, cool. East Coast. Like, or somebody, I would find ways, like try to be friends with people because like I didn't know anybody and I didn't know what the hell to expect because like yeah. treatment can be a scary thing, especially when you're not doing it. Like, I went 3,000 miles away for treatment, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, Yeah, and actually the only person I ended up really not liking was from my area um, that was in treatment at the same time as me. He came, like, two weeks later, and he was from South Jersey. But he just, like, made South Jersey look bad. I, um, I'll take out his name when I edit. Zach, I think his name was? or uh, he, he worked for Amazon. And he kept like leaving was and he coming. Was there a long time? No, he 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 kept relap or he left. I think at one point because he was going to like, ride his skateboard or some shit. And he like I made him cry during group a couple times, um, because well no one time I made him cry during group because he was saying anybody that commits suicide is weak. And I and I said to him I said oh that means because you probably thought about doing it yourself and you couldn't go through it because you're a little bitch, and. He started immediately crying, and Katie's like, "We're gonna have to talk about that later, JD." Because <laughs> <laughs> like I just like lost my fiance to suicide. Yeah. He like yeah. two years before that, and like you know I beat myself up for it because like you know I thought I was responsible. 
you know, like right. there's people, right. well, everyone told me I was, her family told me I was responsible, <laughs> but like, there were some people that I didn't get along with and it is what it is, yeah. but there's, you know, treatment, you can get out of treatment, whatever you put into it, you know, exactly. and it is worth going to when you do it the right way. There's some, you know, people that are miserable there, but they're also miserable because they're not trying to be happy. Yeah, be- because definitely. happiness is a choice and it's not a feeling. And I didn't, and I learned that day three in rehab and I, I was miserable. And Jace, who said to me, like, you know, it's a choice, right? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, happiness is a choice. You, have the, you can wake up and choose to be happy. That's what I do. I wake up and I choose to be happy. And I was like, holy sh! I never even thought of it that way. And and that I'm so he's going to be doing the show on Monday with me. And he is. How yeah, is he? He's doing really good. He's even got his teeth fixed. He's all like happy, and you know he wants to talk. And you know he has a very supportive girlfriend, and they do a lot of like fun extreme sports together. And you know, how am I said hi? Yeah, he's doing really good, and I'm so excited to talk with him because even though he relapsed a bunch of times after we met. He, you know, was so instrumental for me early on to, you know, even though he was younger than me, but like his experiences gave me so much strength. And his, 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 he had really good energy. His and positivity. When he was around and, and doing well, like that affected the whole group. It affects mm-hmm. the whole milieu, you know? So, it, you know, he has, he has really good energy. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm really proud of him. Yeah, he is. I can't wait to, like, have his story out there, too, because uh, yeah. talk about someone who's been through it. And, yeah. you know, but every day we played basketball together and we talked. We just, like, shot yeah. hoops and played ba- and we just, like, had conversations. And then we got into sober living and we went to meetings together. And yeah. you kind of like, you know, you and your girls, like, Jace was that, that for me. And yeah. I'm like, hey, we're going to go to this one tonight. You want to go to 26 and Broad? You want to go to this one? And, like, I'll Uber. And, you know, and we would go Uber there together and we'd walk around, we'd meet people and we would actually sit and like be in the meetings. And I remember he was going through a really tough time and I was like three months in and I was getting ready to leave. And, you know, I think he finally got a Vivitrol shot and I felt a lot better. But, you know, it was just it was tough for me to see somebody who helped me so much to go revert back. Yeah. You know, Yeah. And start struggling again. But it made me want to do this. It made me want to actually, you know, be somebody positive in the community to help others like he helped me and give it back. Because it it is one of those things that when you're an addict, it's a lifelong thing. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, I was an addict, but now I don't touch the stuff and I'm clean, like you said. And they're yeah. just like normal now. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I have to be part of the community or else, like, I don't, I'm, I lose myself. Like, I have to be talking about things and make people feel better. And I think it's so important. I'm glad you got, we got an hour just to catch up. Yeah. You know, it's been so long. And what are you, what are you doing now? Um, I still work in healthcare. I, uh, my old, uh, boss from Muse that uh, used to own Muse before it was sold, bought a few companies out, healthcare companies, hospitals out in Austin, and so I work for them. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Austin, so Austin is up still and healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still healthcare, and it's, you know, a similar business to treatment, but very different, but so it's very cool to, like, learn new things and expand my horizon. 
Yeah, and it's such like, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now in that city. Oh, it's like, so beautiful. Like, I can see. Like, like, can you like, see? Yeah. <laughs> yep, and they're working on it, too. It looks like they're even, <laughs> yeah. like, they're working on the buildings. And for me, I'm into comedy, and I know comedy is killing it right now down there. Like, yeah. a, a comedian that I had to actually um, do a nine-step, I had to make amends to. when I, On my nine-month sober anniversary, I saw him at the comedy club. Um, in PA, and I had to, to make an amends from when I was in addiction. With him. <laughs> well, he was never in addiction, but I took him on a ride that I shouldn't have taken him on, kind of thing. Right. Um, but I made amends, and at the end, I said, "And yeah, you can use that story on stage." Um, right now, <laughs> he's in Austin. He he up and moved oh, after nice. Christmas. like when that boom happened down there with all the LA comics. He said, "Fuck PA," and he moved on down to Austin to try and make it as a comedian. So. I know a lot of people that are down A lot there. of people are moving. <laughs> I don't think the Texans are super happy about it. I had an Uber driver the other day who was like, don't tell anybody you're from California. And I was like, okay. But. <laughs> yeah. It, it happens. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> either, way, either way, it's awesome to talk to you. Awesome to see you. Especially eight and a half years. That's incredible. So um, I'll try to remember from March 1st. And actually... I'll, you're a day after now my alcohol-free day because there I you had go. Easy to the, remember. the best sober birthday ever, which is Leap Day 229. So <laughs> I, I only get a cake every four years. So I have a friend who her sober birthday is February 26th. So some days, you know, we're one day apart or two days apart, and some days we're like, you know, four or five yeah. days apart, whatever it is, so. I'm always like, oh, it's a leap year <laughs> every yeah. two years. So, yeah, yep. we laugh about it. That's why I was like, okay, well, I already have a one-year chip from a real one year. So now I'm next goal is have to go four years and say it's a one-year chip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. so, but That's I'll good. let you go, Nicole. I know you got all this stuff okay. going on. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Thank you yes, so much. Talk soon. All right, okay. have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.